<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast episode 411, only five numbers away from episode 911. What are we going to do on that episode? Everybody, I am your host. I am Jen Kirkman. I am a comedian. I am an author. I am a podcaster. This is my comedy podcast. I have another podcast called Anxiety Bites. That is an interview podcast where I am not as much of a goof and I talk to experts about how we can handle our anxiety or find out if we even have it. We feel less alone, all that. So if you're new to this podcast because you found me through Anxiety Bites, this isn't the Anxiety Podcast, but welcome. You're welcome to listen to this one anyway. This is where I'm more of a cranky and sometimes funny jackass. Anyway, this podcast is where I come to be the real me. This is not edited jokes like in a book or in a comedy special. This is just raw and unfiltered, which is usually a dog whistle for tell it like it is racist. You can't say anything anymore. That's not what I mean. I just mean I talk off the top of my head. It's like a conversation where you say nothing. I feel like I'm being so loud right now. <laughs> so anyway, welcome everybody to no fun. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with my interview with the Deck the Hallmark guys. Now, I know I don't normally do interviews and I didn't really record a separate intro for that episode to kind of explain what's going on there, but those guys became friends of mine through me doing their podcast, which is called Deck the Hallmark. They watch every single Hallmark Christmas movie and uh, analyze it. And I've been a guest the last three years on the show doing that with them. And 
they have a book coming out that I am in just a little bit. It's, it's, you know, there's just some quotes here and there, but it's a great coffee table book called I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies. And so I wanted to talk to them about it and promote the book. Although their podcast is such a runaway hit with millions of listeners, they don't need no fun to, to, uh, you know, to promote it. But I, I did want to talk to them because I just think they're cool and fun people. So if you are like, I don't even care about Christmas movies. I skipped that episode. It's a, it's a discussion with three young uh, Southern white straight guys who have a pretty progressive podcast about what Hallmark movies could do better. And we had fascinating discussions about religion. We ripped on Candace Cameron Bure. We talked about how they were all teachers and worked in a school system. They're in their 30s. They're married. They have kids. And then they all got like, they had like a Hallmark Christmas movie moment where like they went viral as they, if you watch these Hallmark Christmas movies, they always say things like, and we're going to go viral, like as if you can plan it. And they did. And their podcast is a runaway hit. They started a podcast network and now they've all quit their jobs and they do this for a living. So it's, it's a cool story. And I, I always love things like that. So it was fun to talk to them, just something different for the podcast. And for anyone who's complaining, Hey, you don't normally do interviews. You ain't paying for it. Okay. Patreon people pay, but they get tons of other bonuses too. So if there's one thing they don't like, they know there's a million other things that they do like. Um, blah, blah, blah. Okay. What am I going to talk about this week? Well, I just thought I would talk about my move. I mean, I just moved to Brooklyn. Um, I say move, but I really just picked, I just picked up another apartment real quick. I still have my place in LA. Um, please join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Uh, <laughs> this is expensive, but I did it because I have a writing job for a little while here and, and uh, <laughs> bless me. I thought it would be good to finally take that leap because um, in a weird way, it's just as much money to stay in temporary housing month to month for six months. And sometimes with the job that I have, they'll go, oh, we're extending your contract another month. We need you. And then I don't have anywhere to live and it gets hard. So this is just like, look, I have a, a lease here for a year. I'm going to see how it feels to be back on the East Coast. Maybe I might make a permanent move. I'm not sure. My family's back here, uh, just a mere four-hour drive in Boston. And something that really hit me during COVID when we, well, I mean, I guess we were always allowed to fly places, but I didn't want to fly during COVID pre-vaccine. And I just thought, you know, in the face of things we can't control where uh, I need a plane to, an airplane to get to my elderly parents and my family on the East Coast, I don't want to trap myself. So, you know, the four-hour drive as opposed to four-day drive works for me. So let's just see, let's just see what it would be like to, uh, be back in Brooklyn. So here I am. And, uh, I, I guess I have some fun stories. If you like the no fun podcast, you'll find these stories fun. Lots of customer service stories, stories. I, I mean, I'm just going to go and just tell you the whole thing. So I do want to refill my coffee and I feel like, um, I'm not going to be able to make it through this episode if I don't refill my coffee. So um, those of you who have the video version, you can, um, well, you won't see me go do it, but you can look at my wallpaper. Um, oh, by the way, if you want to join the Patreon, I have already done a 25 minute like talk. Like I've already done 25 minutes of this episode on Patreon. So you're coming in 
it seems like the beginning of the episode to you, but the Patreon subscribers always get a longer version. It's ad-free. There's a video version and they get it earlier. And plus they get so many other bonuses. And it's only 3 to $5 a month. Um, and then the next level up is 10. The, the levels do go up from there, but like in terms of how much you get for three, five or $10, um, hours of material a month that you can't get anywhere else. So I would highly recommend joining. And, uh, I know you heard the ad for me doing those shows in Brooklyn that ran before the show started. And once those are done, I, I don't know why I didn't announce this. My manager, my um, the woman who does my publicity were like, well, maybe hold off on announcing it. Cause what if you change your mind? And they weren't saying it in an annoying way. Like when people tell me I'll change my mind with kids, I was like, no, I totally get it. You know? Um, but I don't do stand up anymore. I mean, I haven't in two years, these shows, um, will be my first headlining gigs in two years. Almost. It's been since January, 2020. So just about two years on that one. And I don't tour anymore. I mean, I will not be touring this year because I'll be doing the anxiety podcast and writing on Mrs. Maisel and doing this podcast. I have my three jobs. Um, the touring would have had to be booked already. So like, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to like, no, it's not happening. There's no tour in 2022. I don't want to tour as oh God, especially during an election year, but it's just not um, financially viable for me anymore. And it's too unpredictable. You know, you don't know, you don't make money unless people come. And I can't at this age and stage in my life, I can't have a job that's all about not knowing if I'm going to earn money or not. It's just, it's not fun. Um, and so, yeah, you can downgrade that to be like, oh, well, I'll just do that a third of the year. But even then I can't, I need, I can't have a third of my income being unpredictable either. So, uh, and also truly, I just don't miss being up on stage. I think I like getting up on stage and chatting. I think, uh, you know, it's not like I hate it, but I, I just haven't, my brain has not been wired to put things in a stand up context anymore. And I don't mean like I'm getting serious over here. I, I just truly fell out of love with the art form, like love it, had a good time with it. I, I probably will have a second wind at some point in my life. I just don't see that happening in the next three years. Might be a little after that. Um, so I'm really, when I say, you know, so many people that listen to this podcast keep emailing me, I'll see you when you come to this city. And I'm like, are you listening? I'm not, I'm really not touring anymore. That's why I started the Patreon. So um, yeah, that's that's the deal. So let me go reheat my coffee. I, I feel like if the more I talk, the less silent it will be when I go reheat my coffee, but that's not how it works. Um, so enjoy this, um, silent break, sing silent night to yourself. And for the Patreon subscribers, um, you'll see me here. You'll hear me I'm going behind the camera now and I'm reheating. Oh my God. I have this coffee maker that I just love because it, the carafe stays hot and it's just a little Cuisinart. in art. Nothing fancy guys. Nothing fancy. Um, I gotta tell you, you know, when I was talking about not missing standup, um, I do know that sometimes I do know that sometimes when I've been in an unexplained bad mood, I do wonder, is this is this me kind of missing this like giant outlet I used to have, which was really fun to be on stage? And and I do think that's true. I do think it's I, I will say sometimes unexplained bad moods are that kind of thing. Almost like um you know, like, I don't know if you haven't had a hug in a while, like there's just something about being on stage. I don't mean the love of the crowd. I mean, it's like my flow. It's where I feel at one. Um, 
But I was going to say that I was in sort of a, not a bad mood this morning. I was actually in a good mood, but just sort of a, I don't have time for this bullshit mood of recording the podcast. And then once I started, I got in a really good mood. So, so there you go. So thanks for being here. Hang on. Let me get that coffee. Okay. So for the video version, people, you can see me drinking out of my Lower East Side Tenement Museum mug. Um, I highly recommend to anyone that lives in New York City, and even if you don't, because they have a website, the Tenement Museum, T-E-N-E-M-E-N-T. First of all, it's a great walking tour. I haven't done it, but I've heard it's amazing where they take you through the history of the Lower East Side. But the museum shop is amazing. It's super fun things, all relating to New York. I mean, even just like if you wanted to get like Yiddish fridge magnet poetry, you know, stuff like that. But then actual books that you can read that are stories about New York. They've got tote bags. They've got mugs. It's it's a You could literally get so many holiday gifts there that that also don't have anything to do with New York. So... Anyway, I would highly recommend their website and I'd highly recommend going to their store in person. I also got an amazing candle that smells like a fireplace and it's one of the only ones that actually does. Um, anyway, I'm promoting them for no reason other than I never want them to close. And it, sometimes I get um, unnecessarily stressed out. Like, I hope this place never goes out of business because I love it. Okay, so let's talk about my move. Um, so yeah, I found an apartment. Oh, that sounds good. That's great for podcasting. I already talked a little bit about it in the video version, so I won't bore my Patreons again, but I live in the perfect neighborhood, the perfect location. I am in Brooklyn in the middle of it all. Like I am five minutes from every different part of Brooklyn. I love it. Now, it's weird because my job is in technically Williamsburg, but living in Williamsburg would be too far. Like, that's how bizarre Brooklyn is because um, I would be like a seven subway stop with a change of subway ride if I lived in the district of Williamsburg district. But you know what I mean? But my job is in this... uh, at these studios that are technically located like near the water in Williamsburg. But I live in more Brooklyn Heights, which is actually one subway stop away from my job and uh, a 20 minute walk. You know, I'm starting to realize as I talk, maybe other people don't find this so hard to believe because <laughs> I'm, the, I'm like, guys, sometimes a town can be named some, like I'm thinking about my hometown that I grew up in. And if you live at one end of the border of that town, then you are closer to the border of the next town than you are to the other end of your town. So yeah, it does, it's just, don't listen to me. I'm not saying anything that crazy. I'm not like, it's wild here. It's like, no, that's how things work. Um, Sorry, I'm distracted by my hair right now. Okay, so. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? 
and the Coast Guard. We think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Anyway, I just, I love where I live. I'm so happy. I'm smiling. You can't see it, but maybe you can hear it. Can you hear the smile in my voice? Oh, just the cozy, the chilliness. It's just so nice to go outside and go, ooh, I got to throw a scarf on. You know, it's chilly. And, and you know, I've come to New York a million times in the fall since, since I would say the last 10 years, I've really started to notice the climate change in the sense that, you know, I think we all started noticing it and summers got hotter, but then you realize, God, I don't feel like there's really a proper fall and spring anymore. And I noticed that on the East Coast, and we're having a proper fall out here, I will say. Um, we had two bomb cyclones on either coast that I think got – I was flying back and forth to the East and West Coast this week, and I have to again tonight as of this recording. And the bomb cyclone on the West Coast is over, and then we just finished up with one on the East Coast. It didn't really affect me here in Brooklyn. It was more coastal, like Massachusetts, whatever, but I was – looking online, looking at, you know, what day is exactly the wind going to be like this? Because you don't want to get on an airplane during that. I just don't like that kind of turbulence. It's not for me. So I'm loving my neighborhood. I won't be here on Halloween, which is fine because um, I actually want to do something on Halloween and I'm going to be, I'm going to be at my friend Chris Frangiola's house. Um, The last, well, not last year because of COVID, but the two years before that, I sit on his porch with him um, and Liz, his wife, and who's also my friend. I want to say it like that, but and uh, we hand out candy, and it's super fun. And then this year, our friend Sarah Colonna is joining us because her husband is out of town, so we'll be together. And then the my favorite wine bar um, that's in my neighborhood, in in where you know near me and Sarah, is having how fun is this? a candy and wine pairing wine tasting. And we're like, oh, we're totally blowing out of Chris's early to go and do that. So I'm excited. Um, but other than that, um, you know, I hope the weather is nice and chilly in Los Angeles. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed to have to go back to LA for a few days because I'm, I'm all in, I'm all in the East coast mode out here. It's just, Ooh, it's just wonderful. So I'll tell you about my move. First of all, I was terrified of this building manager woman, Oksana. She, she scared me. I never met her, but every time I would email, so I live in this um, brand new building. I'm one of the first tenants in the building. And in fact, I got a massive discount um, on my first month's rent, like almost 80% discount because I'm technically living in unlivable conditions, even though totally not at all. I have electricity, I have water, the dishwasher's working, the refrigerator's working, but like technically they had to fix the window and they had to fix like a couple things here and there. And like to them, I think code or standards wise, like you can't charge someone full price, but anyway, so that was kind of a a blessing that that came out of nowhere. I was like, <clears throat> why is my rent like $200 right now? Is it, did I go back in time to the 90s? And it was like, oh, because everything's unlivable. So just here, just pay this. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So, so I'm here in this brand new building. And so there's a lot of moving parts. So there's the building manager and she's, I don't even know if she works in the building, but 
she's she's this unknown woman who I haven't met. And I would email her questions about, you know, things. And every time I would e- email her, she would send me back attached a 75 page PDF on the building with answers. And I'm like, I see, no, I'm not trying to be a diva, but that's not how my brain works. That's like an ADD overwhelm. Like I go into, like I'm spinning out. I'm like, uh, uh, you know, like I can't, I can't, I, it's just not how my brain works. I just need people to say things orally to me. So I said, can we get on a phone call <laughs> for my three questions? And she was probably like, what the fuck? What is this Gen X aging weirdo doing, wanting to get on the phone? So I got on the phone with her just to ask three questions that were pretty easy to ask. And uh, she answered them and that was it. But she kind of gave me that, okay, like just a little tone of like, are we good? Is it, do you have other problems that I need to know about? This had to be a phone call? I'm like, yes, this had to be a phone call. You know how everyone these days is like, that didn't need to be a Zoom meeting. That could have been a phone call. She was probably like, that phone call could have been an email or you could have read the fucking PDF. But I'm like, I can't, I can't. Can you just, just five minutes? I just want to know. But she kept being really strict. So I, of course, I'm starting from scratch here in my new building. She kept saying, you're moving company. I'm like, no, there's no moving company. I'm not moving from one end of Brooklyn to the other. I'm starting over. I'm coming out here with nothing. It's called order everything from Ikea and Target. Let's go. You know, I'm not getting too fancy. I did order some furniture from this great store called Article that I like, but like big pieces that you want them to not be cheap. But like my whole bedroom's Ikea and God, I had an amazing bed from Ikea. That was, I think all told, and by the way, I've looked that up. You can say all totaled or all told, but all told means, um, it means literally all totaled and then some. So the expression really is all told. Just wanted to let you know, T-O-L-D. All told, or is it T-O-L-L-E-D? Who cares? Whatever. All told, I think it's told, like all said, all when all is said and done, the bed was about, I think it was 500 bucks for a queen size frame with six deep drawers all the way around. So that storage is great for a small space. Like you put your extra linens in there, you know, like I put my little workout doodads in there and there's an empty drawer even. I'm like, I don't have enough stuff. And then there's this amazing headboard that comes with it that, you know, you have to have someone install, but it it hangs on the wall. And then these little tables and little buckets you can slide them into the headboard and it comes with some and you can buy more if you want like a ton of stuff hanging so you can put your books there or whatever. It's so cute. And then I got these wall lamps, like literally $7 each. They look super fancy and designy. I know I'm, I I was like going on and on about Ikea to my friend Lisa. She's like, are you just figuring out Ikea? I'm like, well, I didn't know. I mean, yeah, kind of. I, I didn't realize that it was still as cheap as it always was and that like it looks so good. I mean, not everything there looks amazing. I think it's really, I do think it's gotten better and stayed the same price over the years. So yeah, fuck you, friends of mine. So I, these wall sconces and the cords tuck beautifully behind the headboard. Oh my God, I just love it. I just love it. So anyway, but so I'm just like ordering a bunch of things that are going to arrive in my in my place. Now, what Oksana was telling me is, you know, you don't live here until October 22nd. So try to make sure things don't come before then. 
And I'm thinking, oh my God, they're going to be in the way. This is awful. Like, what's going to happen? And so I'm trying to order things so that they get there exactly the day after I, because I'm, I'm only here for a week. So they need to get here like on the 22nd or 23rd so I can put them away. But God, they can't get there a day early. So I thought this shipping crisis was going to work in my favor. You know, I'd order something and they'd say the earliest it's going to get there is the 22nd. But you know, COVID, the shipping crisis, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 great. And they would place the order. And like one second after hitting place order, it would be like, good news. Your item's already at your place. It's a week early. I'm like, wait, what? No. What about the shipping crisis? Like, I am the only person the shipping crisis is not affecting in terms of the things I ordered. So things kept showing up early. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Like, literally had a pit in my stomach about how I'm supposed to go uh, Friday at 8 a.m. to my new building to get my keys. And I thought she was going to be standing there like in some kind of Nazi uniform, like you got the, the items that came too early. Now we must have put you in the torture chamber. And I get there and it's just this nice guy, Russell. He's like, it's just like if you've never been to New York and you meet this guy, you're like, oh, this is like a caricature of New York. He's like, hey, welcome to the building, Jennifer. And, you know, no one will stop calling me Jennifer because it's how my name is entered in the computer system, which is making me crazy. But um, he's like, we got some packages for you. And I'm like, I'm sorry they came early. And he's like, huh? Like, apparently he doesn't know this rule Oksana has. And I'm like, oh, is Oksana here? And he's like, no, I don't. She isn't like, she's not a real person. She's like a ghost that emails people about, which is not like in the building. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, hey, relax. This is what we're here for, to get your packages. And I'm like, okay, thanks, Russell. So I get all these packages and, you know, I bring them up to my apartment and I start unpacking, right? Now, if there is a drastic change in the climate this year, if suddenly it's 100 degrees on Christmas in Minnesota, it's my fault because there is a recycling room down the hall from me. And I swear to God, it was entirely filled with my cardboard boxes and plastic things and all the packing stuff I had. It is my fault. I'm sorry. So, so we love Russell. So then I go down uh, later that night and I meet the, uh, they call them concierge. I say doorman. Doorman is like white glove. I open the door. That's not what we have. We have a guy at the front desk. So I guess concierge is the word. Like a hotel, you know what I'm saying? So I get downstairs, I meet the night, the other concierge, Austin. Now he's a younger guy. Um, yeah, maybe he's not as young as I think. I just, to me, he seems like he's 24. I don't think he's from New York. And he's very um, up in my business. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of dorky. Like I don't vibe. Like we're just talking vibes here, right? And that's, that's all we do on No Fun. We're just talking vibes here. Who, well, who says that? But just like the vibe with him, I'm like, don't like it. Wish you well. God bless. Uh, tippy at Christmas. Uh, want your life to work out and I want you to have a beautiful time and you're, you know, a God's creature. But we're talking vibes here. Do I want to have a coffee with you for half hour? I don't. So, something, something's off with you. Uh, I get a little bit of like a, I don't know, like nerdy, nitpicky. So I'm down there and I get packages. Now they're all from Target. Oh no, I get a delivery. Sorry. I get a, uh, there's a Target around the corner, but they, they do same day delivery using shipped. Now guys, I have no time. I'm like doing two podcasts. I'm doing all this research with the Anxiety Bites podcast. I don't have time or I don't want to make the time to go to the Target down the street 
and go to every aisle and shop around for what, three hours. And then how do I get it home? Like, I don't have one of those. It's even more stuff than like those laundry carts, you know, that it's it delivery. Now, every time I need to go to Target, when I need to pick up something, like the other day, I, I bought a vacuum. Uh, I, I ordered it online, went to pick it up myself. This is one item. But this was like every cleaning product you could ever have. This was, you know, like an ironing board, a fucking like fan. It was everything. It was everything, everything. A coffee maker. And, you know, the person that delivers has a car and they pull up and they park in the like delivery thing and they call you when they're there and you come down and they they have some kind of, you know, they make multiple trips back and forth to their car and there's a wheelie cart in my lobby and I... I we stack all the stuff on the cart. I give them a tip electronically. They're on their way. Everyone's happy. It works out. And Austin's just looking at me as we're doing this. And uh, after the shipped deliverer leaves, he goes, you know, there's a target down the street that you could have just gone to. And I'm like, no, no, bitch. Don't. I'm old. I'm 47 here. My back went out from standing too long. Standing from standing. I mean, standing's not that, they say sitting's not that great for you, but for those of you who are going the opposite route with, I'll just do a standing desk. Standing eight hours a day is also bad for you. You want to have a mix. You want to mix it up. Sit, stand, sit, stand, like church. We used to make fun of it. Sit, stand, kneel. Well, that, you know, turns out God knows what he's talking about. You're supposed to have a variety of sitting and standing throughout the day. Not sure about kneeling, but anyway, I go, yeah, but it's just easier. Uh, I don't know how I would have carried all this stuff home. He's like, well, multiple trips. I'm like, hey, I'm going to fucking bash you over the head with this fucking Swiffer mop. I swear to God, are you, are you judging me? And I said, listen, I'm starting from scratch here. I didn't move from down the street. I also want to be like, I don't know. I felt, I started to feel self-conscious. Like, am I some rich bitch ordering shit? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. But I'm like, it's Target. It's not Tiffany's, you know? So anyway, so I mean, to me it is, but... So now whenever Austin's work, so I don't get my packages when Austin's working. If I see, so they have this, um, you know, computer system where you get an email. Oh, we just entered a package. It's sitting in the package room for you. And, and I see who enters it. And if it's his name, I don't go down to the next guy's shift. It's too annoying. Then there's a few other guys. Then there's Sergio. Now Sergio, medium vibes. I'd rather hang out with Sergio than Austin, but Russell's the sweetest. But Sergio's a little... Got a little machismo going on. You know, with him, he's like, uh, you got a package. He's like, before he goes and gets it, he's like, it's pretty heavy. Do you need help? And I was like, well, I got the cart. And then he brings it back. And it's it's a coffee table book I got about Studio 54. It's very heavy for a book, but it's not heavy. It's like three pounds. <laughs> and uh, he hands it to me. and goes, is there more? He goes, no. And I go, this isn't heavy. He's like, oh, okay. I don't know what you can carry. I'm like, dude, I'm strong. I get to do Pilates every week. I'm, I got guns, dude. I think I could lift 300, 300 pounds. I, 
where what is this ego I have? Like I have a weird cis male het ego sometimes. I'm like, oh, I can bench 400. Like I can lift 30 pounds. But this is three, thank God, my little book on Studio 54. But thank you. It's just things like that where I'm like, would you say that to a man? Of course you would. They're just being nice. Oh, shut up. So I do that. So there's that guy. So then there's a... There's Ace. Now, he's the maintenance man for the building. Now, he can answer no question because he's new and it's a new building. So, everything I ask him, he's like, we haven't had training on that yet. I'll be like, do I get a doorbell? Oh, I don't know. Uh, What do these buttons mean on my intercom? I don't know. No problem. But he'll be like, if you have any questions, just ask. And I'm like, well, as long as you're in my apartment. And then I ask. He's like, I don't know. And then he finishes every sentence with, but if you have any more questions. And I learned, just stop asking. He's just going to end every sentence with that. He doesn't have answers. So this guy, now I have to backtrack, put a pin in ACE for a minute. So I have this, uh, I don't know if you guys remember that in 2016, I had a handyman who I adored and he was someone I would hire at my apartment in LA. He'd come hang pictures. You know, he was great. Um, and then during the election, and we, we, by the way, gangbusters got along politically. 2015, we're like liberals, you know, talking, blah, blah. Hope Trump doesn't run, bing, bing, bing. And then he turns out to be a Jill Stein Bernie guy, which, you know, a certain period of my life, I would have been, I was fooled by Jill Stein for a while in the early, in like 2010, I'm embarrassed to say. And I was a Bernie bro. I wasn't just a Bernie supporter. I was a Bernie bro. Oh, I was a Bernie bro. That's why I know they exist because I was one. I don't just call names. I, wa- I was like terrorizing people in my life about how they must love Bernie. <laughs> um, and again, I don't dislike. Oh, we're not getting into this right now. Okay. Anyway, so he goes, are you going to vote for Hillary? I'm like, yeah, she's the, uh, I'm a Democrat and she's Democrat running and I don't want Trump to win. So that's what we do. And he's like, well, if you, if you write in, it sends a message. I'm like, it actually doesn't. I did. I thought that I thought that 10 years ago, um, no one got any messages I sent with my weird write-ins over the years. It turns out so messages lost. Uh, and my new thing, by the way, too, is when you live in a state that you know is going to go blue anyway, and you do want to write in because your conscience won't let you whatever, um, I'm, I'm against that too, because I think in the blue states, we should have landslides, um, almost made a mudslide joke, not going to be worth it, but, but I want things to be a mandate, not just like, oh, blue one by one point. Like it just starts to chip away over time. Anyway. So this guy's like, well, I'm voting for Jill Stein. I'm like, well, she's not on the uh, ballot except as a green party and she's not going to win. And he had a hammer in his hand. And he was like, you just want to vote for a woman. Why don't you vote for Jill Stein? I'm like, I don't just want to vote for a woman. I want to, I'm voting for the Democrat running against Trump, at, hands down. If Trump was running against himself as a Democrat, I'd vote for Trump running against himself as a Democrat. It had nothing to do with a woman. I'm psyched that it's a woman. It'd be fucking great. But that's not why. And I was like, what a weird thing to say to me. And he has a hammer in his hand, so I feel like I can't disagree. So I was like, I'll think, I said, I'll take into consideration what you're saying as he uh, points a hammer in my face. And I never hired him again. And then I found this woman who called herself a handy woman. And I went, maybe I need a woman up in here who um, probably won't scare me with a hammer. So she's great. Her name's Crystal. And she uh, 
you know, has put up my peel and stick wallpaper. She's put up photos, all kinds of things in my place since 2017. So, but she's originally from Long Island and sometimes she's in New York. So she was like, I'm actually going to be in New York when you're there. Um, if you pay me my weekly rate and, you know, um, I had my points, so I got her a hotel down the street for a couple nights. So she didn't have to like commute. And she was with me all week, Monday through Friday. And what's cool about her, she's not just like bang, bang, picture put her up, or she's like a kind of interior designer, has like an eye. She's one of those like, you know, like that show, the home edit, like she'll come in and be like, this is how you organize. So she went through my entire place, opened the drawers. You need bins for this. This is how we organize this. You put that there. And I'm like, amazing. So like my closets all have like, she put up like extra hooks everywhere. Everything matches the apartment. So you can totally keep it up when I leave. It was great. So she's doing that and that takes a while. And then she tells me what to order and we order it. More orders coming in. Everyone's judging me at the front desk. Like, who's this with all the ordering? You know, and then we do the peel and stick wallpaper. And uh, I have some Ikea furniture that she assembles, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. So she's here and she's sitting on the floor. Like she's got like, she's assembling things, whatever. So Ace, the superintendent comes in. He's like, hey, ladies. And I'm like, oh, he thinks we live together, which is fine, but it's literally like basically a, a large studio apartment. So we'd have to be a couple or the weirdest roommates who share a bed at, in their 40s because she's in her 40s too. I know we look young. You probably didn't think we were. But anyway, so he goes, uh, he keeps asking her stuff like, what's the Wi-Fi? She's like, oh, the, I'm Jen doesn't live here. I mean, I don't live here. Jen does. And he's like, oh, okay. And he'd ask me something. And then uh, he'd ask her again, like a question that only the tenant could answer. And I was like, she she, I go, no, I live here. She's my interior designer, handy woman. And he go, respect, respect. Like he just kept saying respect, respect. Every time I said she's a handy woman and he'd be like, great. And then he'd forget again. So it happened about five times. And he'd be like, so when you guys live here, there's a gym. And she's like, I don't, I live in LA. And he'd go, oh, and she's like, I'm just here to, I'm building this. He, respect, respect. <laughs> Would you why can't you comprehend that she doesn't live here? Like, he probably thought we were gay, which is fine. But like, because she's a handy woman and I'm, I don't know, have short hair or something. But it's like, he couldn't comprehend that she didn't live here, which I took to mean he couldn't comprehend that she does manual labor and design for a living. Because, I don't know. Um. So when he left, she was like, you know, that's the least sexist superintendent I've ever met. I was like, what? That wasn't sexist? He couldn't understand that you didn't live here? And she's like, yeah, because he didn't follow me around and say, that's how you use a hammer. Don't put that in the wall. Like he didn't um, give me advice on things I don't need. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. He did only just not be able to comprehend what you do for a living, but he didn't tell you how to do it. We're like, what an amazing man. Like that's how bad sexism still is that we're like, he's pretty great. He's, <laughs> you know what? I think he may uh, be one notch above Gloria Steinem. She better watch her back. But uh, anyway, then there was Oscar. Now he doesn't work in the building. He's one of the hired contractor handymen that was like fixing the windows and doing all this. And I met him on my first day. He was like, singing and working in the hallway. And I borrowed his tape measure 
And so he came in and I was like, Oscar, I was like, I thought you worked in the building. He's like, nope, I'm just hired, you know, whatever. So he was fixing my window, but my windows again are floor to ceiling. I'm on the seventh floor and I have those kind of windows. Have you ever stayed in a hotel where the window opens, but it doesn't open all the way because if it did, you'd fall out and die. So this is one of those windows. It doesn't allow me to open it all the way. It doesn't even allow me to open it more than like three inches. Like I could stick my hand out, but you know, like if I had a small dog, I wouldn't even be able to fit it through the window if I wanted to um, hold my small dog out a window or hold my baby out a window. Remember when Michael Jackson held his baby over a ledge for no reason um, with the blanket and then he was covered in a blanket and he was showing his baby to the world and it was like, you're going to drop, don't, you're going to drop him. Anyway, so I couldn't even drop a baby or a dog out of my window, which is good because um, I got butterfingers. <laughs> anyway, so... But Oscar had to open the window all the way to fix this thing. And he's standing there and he's yelling to the construction workers across the street. And he's like, ah, blah, blah. And it was just like, this is so New York. Like this guy is screaming in my apartment, standing in front of an open window that if he falls, he is dead. And I'm just like, if you die, can I put it on TikTok? And everyone's laughing. And I'm just like, oh, New York. You know what I mean? It's just, it's the best. So those are the people in my neighborhood, um, in my building and uh, I had a point about, oh, so where I live is I could open my window if I was allowed to, and I could take um, some kind of maybe a baseball, and if I had a pretty good arm and throw it, it's going to hit the back of the Barclay Center. I live around the corner from the Barclay Center. And... Uh, so at night, it sounds like January 6th and 9-11. Us. I also lived um, three doors down from a firehouse. <laughs> so it either sounds like 9-11 outside my building or January 6th. Like just the other night I was in bed and I was in bed really early because I was fucking ex- like physically wiped. It was like eight. And I just hear like, rah, rah, rah. and I'm like, are people yelling Jews will not replace us out my window? I'm like, oh, no, no. It's just men walking to and from a Barclays game. Um, I mean, it's a game at the center. I mean, men and women. All, but, you know, when hordes of people in a sports, uh, they were all, I'm sure, lovely people and no one was rioting. But it was just like, it sounds like that. And uh, I have a little white, I have two white noise machines on either side of my bed. And you throw those on, can't hear a fucking thing. It's amazing. And the um, the windows are pretty soundproof. It's just that they weren't working properly yet. So they weren't they weren't shutting all the way. So I was like, oh, this is, but it's loud. Like when the sirens happen, it's loud. And I can't believe it hasn't happened so far during this recording. Um, I think if the people were outside chanting their sports things, I don't think you'd hear it. But it's it's definitely a noisy apartment. And my views are of other buildings. Like, I think if I were higher up, obviously, like my view would be of you could see Manhattan, you could see the water. Um, if I go to the 27th floor, we have a pool and like this really nice roof deck doesn't interest me because I don't like the heights, but, um, you know, but anyway, this is definitely one of those buildings that if you were on million dollar listing and you were buying, you would be like, oh, this is why this building's cheaper than the others because there's no view really. It's not like of a brick wall. I mean, it's, I like the view. I can look right into other people's places. It's kind of fun, but, um, it's not like a view of anything because it's not high up enough, but if I, if I stick my head sort of a little bit, if I stick my eyeball out the window, I can see the water um, a little bit. But um, yeah, it's like hard to see a sunset at night because I'm like, I have all these tall buildings in my way. But again, I like it. 
works for me. But the noise factor, I think, would bother people. It doesn't bother me. Once I throw those white noise machines on, I can't hear shit. It's sort of muted in the background, but I think I've missed sounds. You know, where I live in uh, Studio City is so quiet. It's it's basically the suburbs. And, you know, you would only hear traffic. There's not cars going down the street. So I kind of like it. And I've been you know, thinking I need to go up on my antidepressants. And now I'm like, oh no, I just needed to go back to the East Coast. Like, Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Like, I don't know anyone that's like, oh, sirens, mood improved. But for me, it's not that I want to hear sirens, but noise, life. You get it. Um, oh, I have exciting news about my Hallmark movie. I'll tell you that in a second. So those are the people in my neighborhood. So then I had these, uh, I ordered this table. I have this long dining room table, but no dining room. (laughs) But my kitchen living room area is also going to have to be my podcasting and doing some work area as well. So I got this long table and the way I see it is I, I treat it like a table. It's got a cute vase and, you know, cute, um, placemats and, cute decorations on it. But when I need to work, one half of the table can be like set up my computer and all that stuff. And the other half can be the eating area. So, you know, all very like studio apartment, small living, fun stuff like that. But it's a nice wood or as close to wood as can be dark brown table. But the chairs that came with it, again, at this place called Article, they are a sort of matte pink. I would say mauve almost. And and my Patreon subscribers can see them. And I got four chairs. So the guys that deliver it, they deliver and assemble. And it's like, you know, it's like young New York guys and they're like assembling it. So the guy comes in and uh, there is no parking around my building because it is just construction 24-7. So they knock on my door and I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? And he's like, not good. And he's like, there's no fucking parking. He's like, excuse my language. I'm like, no, it's all good. I'm giving him a boss. There's no fucking parking. He's like, this building, I mean... You, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm new and I didn't know that there wasn't like specific parking for you guys. He's like, we're double parked out there. And I'm like, is there anything I can do? Do you want me to go stand near the truck? He's like, no, no, I'm just complaining. And I forgot I'm coming from this LA thing of like, can I help? And he's like, I'm just bitching. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, right, I forgot. Um, that is, that's my mood too, you know, normally, but I'm, I'm still like shaking off some of the LA vibes that I've got going on. So he's in a super bad mood. His other partner, um, is like the silent one. And uh, he's not saying anything. But, you know, they they take the thing out of the box. They start building it. And he's like kind of snapping at his partner, like, come on, we got to hurry. We're going to get down there. So we move our car. This fucking building, fuck, fuck. So then he opens the chair boxes and they're putting the legs on the chairs. And he's like, oh my God, this is such a cool color. Did you pick this out? And I come in back in the room. I'm like, yeah, I thought it would be cool. He's like, I never would have thought to put like, pink chairs with like a wood table and everything else in here is like kind of gold and black. He's like, that's neat. And it goes with everything. I'm like, I know, right? It's given me like seventies vibes. And he's like, 
I felt like he was going to be like, I'm not gay, but, but he didn't say that. He's like, I'm not, you know, I'm a guy. I mean, I, but I would have this color in my house. I think I will give that color another look from now on. I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, that just put me in a good mood. So these pink chairs put this, you know, furniture assembler in a good mood. And he goes, hey, I'm sorry I came in here bitching. He's like, you know, it's New York. He goes, when it's bad, it's bad. And I go, when it's good. And we said it at the same time, when it's good, it's good. He's like, yeah, exactly. You got it. You're a New Yorker. And I didn't want to tell him I'm not, but he called me one. So, uh, and then they left and all was well, but it's just these little, mo- I don't know how to explain it. See, because we don't do how's your day going so far. We, me, queen of New York, mayor, the mayor of New York, I took over for Cuomo. Um, I feel less like there's how's your day going so far in New York than there is in LA. I mean, listen, how's your day going so far is an epidemic as bad as COVID. It is everywhere. You cannot hide. But there's more of an honesty to New York where someone comes in and they're like, ah, fucking parking. And it's not rude if that makes sense because um, it's you know it's not at you, but you got to get used to it. I'd rather that than like, hi, how's your day going so far? Like just what? Like don't cover up whatever bullshit you're trying to hide. Come in here bitching. I'm, I'm all about it. So speaking of which, I'm going to end on my Hallmark movie story. But uh, so I've been doing a lot of eye chatting with Ikea. And, you know, Ikea is in Sweden. I actually, oh, no, it wasn't. I was going to say I've been to the headquarters. That's a lie. I've been to the H&M original store. Not to brag. Um, So, yeah, I was doing a lot of eye chatting with Ikea because I would order something and then I would realize I measured something wrong and then I'd have to eye chat and be like, can I cancel that order? And they have really good customer service on their like little chat screen and they get things done quickly and they're awesome. Um, But you can tell they're chatting you from Sweden and they're trying to do American isms. And so (laughs) they're like, so this, this guy writes, no problem. Please stay connected while I am working on your concern. If you don't mind me asking, how's your day going on? (laughs) And then someone else said, um, I said, I think I need to cancel this order, but I'm worried because I think it might be on the way. I don't know. And he's like, well, before I get to that, I hope you and your family are staying safe in this here pandemic. I'm like, I don't think you need to write that. Like, what if you're, but some corporate idiot in America was like, we need to get the Swedish people sounding American. Let's tell them to mention the pandemic. I mean, I know it's worldwide, but it's like, I don't, I don't go, oh my God, what amazing customer service. Before he worked on the question I had, of which I only had two seconds to ask him, he asked me a personal question about if my family's safe in the pandemic. That's not necessary. And it's like, what if my entire family died in the pandemic? What if like, as I'm talking, I'm like, have a relative dying on a ventilator on my fucking iPad. Like, just maybe not mention the pandemic. Hope you and your family are safe. Well, odds are you're going to talk to someone who they and their family were not safe. Um, so how about just don't even ask, how's your day going? But I love to, how's your day going on? That's going to be my new one instead of how's your day going? How's your day going on? How's your day going so far? It, it, guys, it makes me angrier than anything. How's your day going so far? What am I? Should I call you back later and let you know how the rest of the day? Like, why are we chopping up the day into pieces? And how's your morning? Who gives a flying fuck? Just talk. Just come on, you guys. Let's get real. (laughs) Uh, 
Let's read some listener emails, and then I will end this episode on the exciting story of how my Hallmark movie is being made as we speak. And yes, you're going to watch it this year. Oh my fucking God. But of course, as with all things in the entertainment business, it's not quite that... Um, there's, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. Jen, this is from Catherine. I found this article randomly on Facebook about 9-11 and young kids saying they died in the attack. Totally thought of what you talked about last week in the podcast. Not like this article is a fact, just thought it was trippy. Pretty sure if I had a kid and they came to me with a story like a few of these, I'd shit my pants. Thanks for keeping me laughing while I do the dishes. Yes. Yeah, so in a few episodes back, I was talking about you know, reincarnation and how I really loved the episode of that Netflix show where kids claimed they had other lives. And then by the time they turned seven or eight, they don't remember saying any of that stuff, but their parents had already begun the research. And I mean, to me, it was like, it's the only like supernatural paranormal, if you can file it under that, that they proved to me was real. And even if it wasn't, um, a past life, even if it's just this kid's energy connected with this dead guy. You know, let's just say this kid wasn't a World War II pilot in real life. I mean, in his past life. But the dreams he was having and the, the he, this kid, just you'll have to watch the thing. And I think I already described it. But it's like this kid is waking up. He's two years old. He's saying, my name was this, this. These were my coordinates. This was my plane. This was my crew. And his parents are like, what? Like, how does he even know these words? You know, and they they look it up and it's like, oh my God, this was a World War II pilot, blah, blah, blah. So even if he wasn't him in a past life, even if past lives aren't real, there's that whole notion like energy cannot be destroyed. Maybe the soul of the guy that was the fighter pilot that died somehow is talking to the soul of this kid in his sleep and saying, I just want to let you know I'm a soul that lived on earth and here's my story. Whatever it is, it's completely, in, in my eyes, that one episode of that Netflix show, which I forget the name of, um, which is about life after death. Every other episode of that little six episode series where it's about, I died, I came back to life, I saw the light, all of that. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't buy it. I think it's just chemicals in our brain. This was the only one that I went, this actually doesn't seem so woo-woo. It, 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 as woo-woo as all that sounds, it seemed like these people had a, a grasp on things. And what was so interesting is one of the people they interviewed was now an adult. And he's like, I don't remember saying this stuff, but I do feel this kind of, whatever, who cares? Anyway, so I guess uh, there are kids that they say, if you've had a past life, um, there's a big chance you'll remember it like age two to six and talk about it. And then after that, for some reason, you stop talking about it. Like it gets out of your consciousness. I don't really get it, but any, anyway, so there was this article, um, you know, after 9-11, children were born and they began to talk about that terrible day, who they were and how they died. Uh, Riss White, who usually publishes reincarnation stories on the web, described how her, her daughter, um, who at the time was only four years old in 2018, looked at photographs of the North Tower taken before the terrorist attack and said that she worked there. She said she was working there and suddenly the floor got very hot. So she stood on the table. She said she and her colleagues tried to leave through the door, but could not open it. So she jumped out of the window and flew like a bird. White assures that her daughter has never seen photographs before and has not heard anything about the 9-11 attacks. Uh, Cade, 
these names make me want to punch someone. These names make me want to start another 9-11. Cade, C-A-D-E, started having nightmares at the age of three. He screamed in his sleep about planes crashing into buildings, the Statue of Liberty, and a broken leg. Then he began to make drawings of two skyscrapers with a man falling from them. Cade's stories led his parents to believe he was present during the 9-11 tragedy. He could even remember his old name, Robert Pattinson, who had an office in the North Tower from which he could see the Statue of Liberty. The boy, who in a past life was a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, described in detail how on the day of the attacks, the roof collapsed over him and he could not get to the stairs. I was on the 110th floor on that fateful day, is what this kid said. Subsequent investigation revealed there was a man in the Twin Tower that day by the name of Robert Pattinson, a veteran of the United States Air Force, who actually worked in the North Tower. And it's not Robert Pattinson, the uh, star of the Twilight series. So anyway, that's, that's pretty cool and creepy, and I love it. Jen, I knew you used to be engrossed in the news fallout from the Nexium cult. Well, I found out about this the other day. I don't have Prime, so I haven't watched it. Lula Rich official trailer. Uh, yeah, the Lula Rich documentary is supposed to be an engrossing series about a leggings cult. I really liked On Being a God in Central Florida, in which Kirsten Dunst fiercely and humorously portrayed her entrapment in a multi-level market cult. Anyway, um... I have had a recent worry about my income, so I bowed out of your Patreon and all extra things for a while. I have anxiety because of this, naturally, because I so value your advice. I already have your email with the many helpful ideas for anxiety. Thanks. I'm confident that I can put my income worries behind me and subscribe again. I hope the best for your endeavors and projects. I'm grateful for the things you share publicly from your humor, wit, and wisdom. You're a fan. Jill, well, thank you, Jill. And you guys, I don't look at who's unsubscribing and subscribing, so I don't have any idea. Like, you'll never know. And like, I'll never know. I just know in general, like, oh, the, you know, it's the first of the month and a bunch of people didn't resubscribe. I don't know who they are. I can just tell by the number of subscribers. Um, and I always trust that it's financial and I totally get it. Like, trust me, I I do stuff like that all the time. Um, there is no stress. There is no stress. You come, you go. Other people come and go. Other people up their levels. You know, it's it's a flow. And you're you're in this you're in this stage of your flow with my Patreon and it's all good. Um, yes, I did watch the Lula Rich documentary. It's not that great. Um, it was interesting for me because I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of Lula Row or Lula Rue leggings. And I don't understand how I didn't because apparently everyone that worked there was selling 10,000 pairs a week and everyone in the world was wearing them. And, you know, it was what, only like 10 years ago. And I don't remember. And I feel like I travel a lot. I feel like I spent the last 10 years going to every state and being in every airport. And I don't remember seeing a rash of women wearing colorful leggings, but okay. Um, I'd never heard of the leggings. I'd never heard of any of this. And it was interesting to learn that this whole thing happened. I just don't think the documentary was all that interesting. Um, the two people who run the company are completely insane. And they sort of give me the vibe of the people from the documentary Queen of Versailles. But those people are never going to tell the truth about that they knew they were running a multi-level marketing company. I think they're still running it. Like they didn't get in any legal trouble and they're completely unself-aware or they're unwilling to be honest. So while they are the most fascinating people and I would just watch a documentary about them, they would not be good participants because they are kind of um, 
like refusing to participate. They're, they're keeping up this shell the whole time. But again, they're so like fucking weird that it's like impossible. They think they're putting up a front, but they're just these two weird. I keep saying weird. I don't have any other word for it. It's just she's almost subs- she she claims all this is feminism, but she's subservient to her husband. And they're kind of this bizarre Christian, um, you know, like not. I don't mean to insult Christianity, but you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, Jen, first of all, I'm writing this as I'm listening to the second Anxiety Bites episode, and damn, I am loving it. You are an incredibly thoughtful facilitator of discussion. Oh, thanks. And I really appreciated your note at the top about your chattiness. Personally, I didn't think you were too chatty. It was exactly as you described, two people sharing an authentic connection over a topic on which they are both passionate. I really love your summaries at the end of every episode too, and I have subscribed, five-star rated and reviewed. Thank you so much. Again, I will plug Anxiety Bites, my other podcast. Now, again, you don't have to have anxiety to enjoy it. There's a lot of cool discussions about aspects of just being human. I think you all will love it. I would really love if you all just hit subscribe and you know, if it's if you don't think it's for you, just scroll through and just see if there's like maybe one guest that piques your interest. And at the beginning of every episode, I do a monologue about um, anxiety in my life or maybe what's going on that week. Um, maybe a few of the episodes that have aired haven't been that, but it's going to be that from now on. So you can at least subscribe and maybe just listen to my first 10-minute monologue, you know. Anyway, the reason I'm writing is to send you this. I just encountered a form field, which completely made me roll my eye, and I thought you'd like it and roll your eyes too. So, you know those, uh, please indicate your marital status. She writes, I mean, no single option. It's all variations of married. Hope you're having a great day. Please indicate your marital status. Divorced, domestic partnership, married, never married, separated, widowed, no answer. <laughs> like, we have, what about single? I mean, I guess that would be never married. But why why frame it that way? So weird. Why do we need to know marital status on these forms anyway? I mean, you know, I mean, just put your emergency contact person. If that's your spouse, great. But why does my doctor need to know if I was married? I've been divorced 11 years. It, you know? Oh, um... Also, I, I I hate to say this. I this sounds awkward. Um, let's. Can you all be careful in your emails to me? I would I would just um, I seem fun at gmail.com. If you want to email me about something you heard on the show, you want to weigh in, give a different opinion, or you want to um, you know tell a story about it, whatever. But there's been people throughout the year emailing me about my deceased ex husband, and it's really inappropriate. I know people mean well, but. Um, I never talked about the circumstances of his death or the um, fact that he died pretty much hating me and his friends have cut me out of their lives in the morning and it's really hard. Um, uh, Not the part where he died hating me because I knew he hated me anyway and I already kind of worked through that and got my closure in therapy. So, but um, I'm still working through like the shock and, and any feelings, like I'm still in the numb stage. And I'm still in a lot of anger about the circumstances of his death, which I'm not going to discuss because it's not, no one else is making it public, so I won't. But um, it's all tied into stuff that reminds me of what went on during the marriage. It's all tied into stuff that reminds me of how I feel like his friends are 
being kind of cruel to me. So, um, it's a lot. Um, so people have been just writing like, oh, I knew your ex or like, oh, I hope you're doing well. Like it's really shocking to be going through your day and think you're checking your silly podcast email. And just to be reminded of that, it's, it's, it's really, you know, I know everyone means well. And if, and again, if anyone feels called out, um, please don't because it's, it's well more than a dozen I've gotten in the, in the last couple months. And, uh, I'm just saying it to everybody. Um, I don't remember any of your names or your email addresses. Like if you wrote me tomorrow and said, oh, can you talk about um, shoes on this episode? I wouldn't go, that's the person email. I just delete them right away. I just don't want anything to do with it. So I'm not mad. I don't know who you are. You please don't write back and apologize because it just brings it up again. But I just say, let's just um, reset a boundary here that um, I would not email me about personal things in my life. Let's just stick to the podcast. And I know I did mention his death on the podcast, but again, I would say, you know, try to use better judgment in terms of like knowing what's truly a podcast topic and what's, you know, she mentioned something from her real life on the podcast, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, Jen, you can say my name. I split up with my husband in October and almost immediately met a new guy on Bumble and wanted to have some fun. Well, fun turned into a 10-month non-relationship. He's a narcissistic, alcoholic fuckboy, and I finally told him off and deleted him entirely from my phone and blocked on all social media. But I still want to text him angry messages because I'm petty. I'm actually just so hurt by him. I'm wondering what the fuck do I do to move on and not feel anything good or bad towards him. This actually feels worse than my divorce. Thanks for any advice. Love the pod. Yeah. So um, I wrote her back personally, but everyone get the book, The No Contact Rule. That's how you do it. You can take your pettiness out. You can start an email account um, in the name of your ex and you can write that account emails all day. But these are your feelings to work through. The person who caused you the pain cannot fix the feelings. Um, You cannot keep going to the hardware store for milk. You cannot solve the problem by going towards the problem, all that kind of thing. Um, if it's someone who really truly cannot hear what you're saying, um, then they are not going to receive anything you have to say. There's not going to be closure. You're not going to learn. It comes all from within. If there's ever a day where you truly don't give a fuck anymore and you end up being able to tell this person, Hey, you know, you really hurt me. That's the day that you tell them that day is probably not going to come. Um, because once you don't give a fuck, you're not even going to want to tell them they hurt you. Um, when you tell a narcissist or someone that just doesn't care about you that they hurt you, they don't care. They only think in terms of like, are you mad at me? Am I a bad person? Well, why are you telling me this? You're going to put on social media. You will make it worse. So just know that the one thing you can do right now before the pain goes away is you cannot create more pain. It's like telling someone not to scratch an itch, I realize. But uh, she sent this a little while ago, so I'm sure she's doing better, but, but write in and let me know. Okay. So lastly, set your calendars. It was announced on people.com and you know, everywhere that things are announced. The Hallmark Christmas movie roster for this year, they are doing, I think, you know, their usual 40 movies or whatnot. And uh, of course, I can't find it. Hallmark movies announced. Guys, I try to organize the link so that I'm very organized. And then I, 
I so compartmentalize links that it makes sense to me when I do it. And then I go, why did I do it that way? So let me, uh, here it is. Okay. So a movie that I conceived of and wrote will be one of them. Now, here's the thing. I wrote the second draft. I wrote the first and second draft of this movie. The first draft, wildly different than the second. Second draft is a lot better. Um, and I offered Hallmark, I said, I could write the third, what they call the polished draft. The polished draft pays half of what you get paid to write the first or second draft, which implies it's supposed to be done quickly. And you, you polish it. You know, you get some notes from the network. Hey, do this, do that. And I said, I can write the polished draft. You just have to ask. I said, but I, I might not be able to, depending on when it is, because I'm moving and all this stuff. But, but ask me first. And they're like, okay, great. They didn't ask. Um, and my manager was sending them emails. Hey, Jen's free in September. How do you like the second draft? Do you want her to do a polish? I wrote them. They never wrote back. And then last week, um, mid-October, they wrote, oh my God, we're happy to announce your movie's coming out. Don't tell anyone we haven't announced it yet, but we know you were busy. So we hired um, a different writer to do the polish draft. And it's like, no, you just didn't want to tell me that you weren't going to have me do it, which I wouldn't have been offended. I told them, I told them to tell me either way, but Hollywood's weird. People are fucking weird. So I'm not sure how much the movie is going to change. There is a world where not one thing I wrote appears on the screen, but my name will appear. It'll say story by Jen Kirkman um, or something like that or written by. That's just, well, because I did create the story and also that's just how the the Writers Guild rules work. But the point is, I know it's exciting and I'm not trying to be a bummer, but I can't get like, I think it's cool that it says my name, which is awesome. And, you know, you don't get pay, like I got paid to write the second draft. That's it. You don't get paid more if they make the movie You don't get residuals. Like the money is, there's no more money coming in for this, but it's fun. You know, people will see my name, but then that's, what's going to be annoying is if they totally rewrote it and not one thing is what I came up with people are going to be contacting me going, oh my God, I love the movie. And I'm going to go, I didn't write that. Now, other people have an easier time just accepting this is how the business works. And most movies you see, like I've used this example before, in Goodwill Hunting, like Ben and Matt came up with half of the conceit. They had a script doctor change it, add this, add that. There was a few things that were still theirs, but overall they didn't write that movie. And so, uh, but they came up with it and it's the ex, you know, it's like they do get to get credit for it and they take the credit and they enjoy and they move about their lives. I'm, I'm not like that. It drives me crazy. So I'm with, I, they're going to get me a production draft of the script so I can read it so that I can know in advance how excited to get. If 50% of it is my words, awesome. I'll, I'll take all the credit and be like, I wrote it or not take all the credit, but I'll say, yeah, I got a rewrite, but most of my stuff's still there. So that's, I'm just like, I'm not excited yet. I get it like on paper. It's wild that I just like pitched them and we got this far and it's being made. Um, I was going to call it Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas because the woman's name is Mary and they changed it to Tis the Season to be Merry. And I'm like, oh, that's I like that better, even though the lyric of the song is Tis the Season to be Jolly. That's okay. Um, So it's airing on Sunday, December 19th, just a few days before Christmas, everybody. And it will be on the Hallmark channel, not the Movies and Mysteries channel. And it will be um, – wait, why don't I – it will be um, 
Sorry. It will be on at eight o'clock, I think. Hang on. I'm just, oh yeah. Eight o'clock Sunday, December 19th, eight o'clock. Tis the season to be merry. Stars Rachel Lee Cook. That's a, that's a good get. Travis Van Winkle, Karen Molina White. Now let's see, who is she playing? Um, Huh. Now, Karen Molina White's a black actress, and in the movie, the white guy is playing Mary's love interest, and the white guy is supposed to be the sister of Mary's editor. So if Mary's editor is black, then her brother wouldn't be white, unless he was adopted, I guess. Um, So I think they did already change some. Not that I made it racial. You know what I'm saying? Like, everyone, the brother and the sister would have to be the same race for it to still be the same plot. So I think they changed it to like Mary meets someone, but it's not this person she's already known. Unless this woman is playing the big boss, which she could be, but she might be too young for that. 1965. Oh no. Okay. I bet she's playing. So I have a boss character that's like a combination of like um, Moira from Schitt's Creek and, and uh, Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada. Like, intimidating, but really silly. And I think that's being played by Karen Molina White. That would make more sense. Um, And that'll be really good. And she's like the right age and that'll be funny. Okay, great. I was just confused for a minute. Uh, Okay. Tis the season to be Mary. Logline, looking for a fresh angle to her book on relationships. Mary heads to snow-covered Vermont. She finds a new perspective and Christmas cheer with charismatic aid worker, Chris. (laughs) Okay. So in my version, um, Mary wrote a book about finding the one and she's engaged and then she dumps her fiance and then the book is already like being sent to publishing. And so her book deal, you know, she either has to let a book come out. That's going to be a total lie or she has to cancel the book and come up with something else. And then she finds love at the whatever, whatever. So I don't know. It's just something about looking for a fresh angle to her book on relationships makes me go, um, well, when she goes to Vermont, there's no more book deal. She's like, but maybe they just, it's an e- maybe the log line, I need to like not worry about it. Like maybe it's not, um, the log line is like an easy way to sum something up. Maybe it's not totally correct. But when I read it, you know, I'm like all neurotic, like that's not my thing though. And, and, you know, it's, it's like her childhood friend and, and he's not an aid worker. He's, he, he does like Habitat for Humanity. I mean, I guess that's an aid work. I mean, going crazy. Because I just like, I've come this far. I want to know how much is actually JK up there on the screen. If it is, I'm going to be more proud of this than anything I've ever done in my fucking life. (laughs) I'm so psyched about it. If indeed they keep a lot of what I wrote. Um, Okay. That's it. This is the end of the episode. Um, Not for the Patreon subscribers. They're going to get a little tour of my apartment. Okay. Until next week, have fun. (laughs) 